0: this weekend church i want to speak to you about a prelude to a new season um, and, and it's going to be very unusual because I, I, let me say this, that whenever I preach on a weekend, I really do prepare. Not that I'm not prepared to prepare this week, okay? But the way I would prepare is a little bit different. I would usually pray, I would be doing my own Bible study, I'd be going through my own Bible reading, and God would quicken something in my spirit, and then I would delve into the subject and I'll really pour research and study into it. It usually takes me six to eight hours to prepare a message for the weekend. But this weekend, I want to speak a little bit differently because this message came out out of my run just last Monday when I was doing a run and I really felt the Lord began to speak to me during the run. Now, there's something that's been happening since uh, May this year. The Lord, as I've been doing uh, exercising and running, uh, in the middle of May, the Lord said to me, Lip, from from uh, this time on, Every time you run, I want you to dedicate your runs to praying for Singapore. So for the last two months, every time I've run and if I'm running alone, I have been praying for Singapore. I've been praying for the government. I've been praying for different things as the Lord begins to quicken uh, them into my heart. And one of the things the Lord really quickened my heart uh, in early May is that the Lord said that, hey, Singapore, you know, in the third quarter of this year, Singapore will begin an opening up process right? And it will begin slowly and then it will just really take off and it will go really fast exponentially. And that's what I felt. I felt the Lord said that very, very clearly to me. But I felt also the Lord said that, hey, this is, not, this is just in the natural, but in the spiritual, something of the same measure is going to happen in our nation. That God is bringing in a new season into Singapore and it's going to begin subtly, it's going to begin slowly, but it's going to begin to take off very, very quickly uh, thereafter. And so I've been praying about these things. I've been praying over these matters and asking the Lord to speak into this. And just this Monday, I felt the Lord again speak to me, particularly about this new season that God is bringing our nation into. And this new season will begin quietly, it'll begin subtly, but it will gather momentum and it shall become a torrent in our nation. And that's what I want to I share this week. So there is no um, sequence to this, there is not a well-conceived structure to my message. In fact, you'll notice that I've got far lesser slides today than usual because I just want to share with you what God has burdened in my heart. Is that Okay. You know the first thing i want to talk about this weekend is i want to give us a picture of what this new season is going to look like that god is about to bring us through and then the second thing i want to talk about is how can we prepare for this new season now in this new season that we are going into let me qualify before i talk about this new season that by saying that, it is, it is clear that, you know, we all see in part and we all prophesy in part. I'm very cognizant of the fact that I don't have the full picture to what God is about to do in this new season. So I'm not proposing to say that, hey, this is the whole picture. I'm just telling you that this is what God has shown me. is just a small slice of His overall plan of what He intends to do as we enter into a new season. But I do believe that this little slice that God has shown me is meant for us. Because God doesn't show us what's happening for somebody else. God shows us what's happening for us. And I believe that what God is showing me relates to where our sphere of responsibility is as a church and the area of burden that God has given to us as a congregation of people. You know, I'm also very cognizant, and I want to remind us of this, that we are in this together, amen? We are brothers and sisters. We're going to fulfill the call of God together. You know, Cornerstone is nothing without the people. You are our Cornerstone. Amen? Okay, not so convinced. Yes, you are, okay? Yes, you are, Cornerstone. And what God has called you to do and what God has called me to do is all intricately tied together and God puts us together for that reason. Now, I believe that we are entering a season where there is going to be a fresh wave of people that is going to be swept into God's kingdom. I believe that this new season is a season where many people are going to give their lives to Jesus and this wave of salvation is going to cover all age groups of people in our nation from the youngest to the oldest from children to the elderly and salvation that it's going to come is going to be a very deep experience. This is what I saw. I saw this wave of salvation coming and the people were not just following a religion but that somehow people will have this deep, real encounters with Jesus that will grip their hearts. They'll not be coming to follow a religion. They'll be coming to follow Jesus. And and, and, and there's a new breed of Christians that are rising up in our nation that is a very genuine breed. Not because previous generations are not good, but there is a manifestation of Jesus Christ that people are going to encounter Jesus. Now, I don't believe that Jesus is going to appear in the sky and everybody's going to see Jesus, but I know that Jesus is going to appear in our hearts in a real way and people will know and know and know that Jesus has shown up in their lives. Amen. And it's something I believe in as well, that, you know, God will oftentimes give us a little foretaste of what He's about to do. And as I saw these things, as the Lord showed me these things, I was reminded of the situation that I was in when I first started working. You know, when I graduated from university, I was on a bond and I was gonna go into this uh, place, this company that I was gonna work at. But before I began work, I really felt like, hey, God, I, I'm number one, an ambassador of Jesus Christ before I am before an employee of the company. And therefore, before I go in, I need to know, what is it that you want me to do? I want to go in letting people know that I'm a Christian. At the same time, I don't want to shame the name of Jesus, you know. And, and, you know, I decided I was going to go in, I was going to put this, you know, when when I was growing up, you know, uh, Christian bookstores were everywhere. Now most Christian bookstores have died out, okay. And one of the favorite things that used to be, uh, in our days, we would send to one another were these Pass It On cards, you know. I don't know if you remember them. You know, and there'll be new prints that comes out, and every month I'll go to the bookstore, I'll buy up all the new ones, and I'll write things, I'll send it. So I, I pasted these pasted-on cards in my office, so that from, the, from day one that I went, you know, everybody knew I was a Christian. Okay, I wanted to make sure that I, I knew I was under pressure, and eyes were on me, and I had to live like a Christian in the office. But also, I began to pray, I said, "'Lord, what is it you want me to do in this office?' And the Lord began to speak to me and the Lord says, there are two things I want you to pray for your office. Number one, I want, to pr- I want you to pray that the atmosphere over the office will change. That there'll be an open heaven over, your, over the office and it'll be easy for people to come to the knowledge of salvation. And then the second thing the Lord said to me is, Lip, I also want you to pray for your brothers and sisters who are there. Now, I've never been into their office yet, but I knew something that there were other Christians that were in that office. And the Lord said, pray for them. Pray for these Christians that they will begin to rise up and I will begin to grip their hearts with a passion and they will begin to open their mouths. They'll begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, guess what? I went into the office six months. The first six months, I joined my new job. In my office or division of 100 plus people, over 30 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. That is one third. One third of the office came to salvation. Now, when this thing happened, I, well, I got to say this, okay? I didn't... You know, I wasn't the, the, the evangelist there. You know, let me tell you this. Even though I prayed, I wasn't the one going around sharing the Jesus with everybody. The principal evangelist in our office was a young lady from Grace Assembly of God. And she was really fervent and she had a boldness to share the gospel. She was not charismatic. She was not a standout. But she would quietly go to people, pray for them. you would share the gospel with them. And she led many people to the Lord. I mean, I had the opportunity to lead some people to, to Christ. I remember uh, shortly after I joined the company, I was on the GST audit. Uh, Stin and me, another brother, you know, um, um, who, of course, who is now a, a, a brother in Christ. We were assigned to this little container. Okay, we had boxes and boxes of documents. We had to spend four weeks running through those documents in the container port in Tanjong Pagar. I remember this, right? And this guy who graduated, same year as me, same batch as me, he had a bad reputation. Right? And I wasn't looking forward to the assignment of being locked up with him for four weeks. Okay? But I thought, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to do my job. And the first week, the moment we got in, I began to share with him about my walk with God. I began to share with him about the gospel. That fir- at the end of the first week, on Saturday early in the morning, he called me and he's on tears over the phone. And he says, Lip, you know, I really believe in this Jesus that you have been talking to me about. Will you lead me to become a Christian? That morning, I led him in a sinner's prayer. The second week, we went back to the container on a, on a Monday and I continued to share with him about the walk of Jesus Christ. By the end of the second week, he got filled with the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. And to the day, he's still a faithful Christian. Uh, you know, not part of Cornerstone, but somewhere else, okay? Right? And these things will begin to happen. Now, on hindsight, this sounds absolutely amazing. You know, as I look back at this, as I think about this, it actually seems a little bit like revival, right? Can you imagine 30% of my office coming to Salvation? We had prayer meetings in the office. This is not a Christian company, huh? This is not Cornerstone Community Church, okay? In Cornerstone, everybody are all Christians, so and you work here, okay? But, but you know, but, but, you know, we had prayer meetings. We would have evangelistic gatherings. We would gather in the boardrooms. We would have meetings and invite non-Christians, and people would come and give their lives to Jesus. People would cry. People would be responding, you know, and we were, you know, in all this time, it never occurred to me that this was revival or this had some semblance to revival. In fact, it felt so normal in those days. I mean, we went to office to work and then we would, had opportunities, we would speak to people. You know, it didn't feel like we were, there was nothing, un, as far as we're concerned, there was nothing unusual happening. It, it felt so natural, it just felt like part of normal life in the midst of what, is, what this is happening. You know, this is what I believe. I believe that in this new season, that this is exactly how it's going to be. It would not feel like revival. It may not follow the patterns of past revival. We may not even think that something unusual is happening, but it's only on hindsight when we look back that we realize there's a significant change and difference and, that has happened. And we'll know that, hey, something supernatural had happened. And I really believe this. I believe that, you know, in 10 years' time, when we look back, we're going to look at the numbers and we're going to see a significant jump in the statistics and the census of Singapore. Because God is about doing something, yet when we're in the midst of it, it might not feel anything different. You see, Luke chapter 5 verse 5 says this, But Simon answered and said to Jesus, Master, we've toyed all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. You see, I want to say this. Maybe what some of us are thinking, you know, oh, I'm tired of hearing about revival. When is it going to happen? You know, I've been praying for my loved ones and they've not yet come to know Jesus. I want to say this to you. Don't grow weary. You might have toyed all night. You might have caught nothing till now. But at the Lord's word, drop your nets down one more time and if you still catch nothing drop your net down one more time again i'm telling you this jesus died for the lost and we must keep dropping our nets down i promise you this you'll begin to see things begin to happen if you are faithful in doing the work of an evangelist let's not grow weary of reaching out i want to encourage all of us let's learn to pray for the sick amen The only way you're ever going to see God use you to heal the sick is if you keep praying for the sick. Come on. God wants to use us in the prophetic. God wants to use us in words of knowledge. And the only way you're going to learn how to do this is if you just do it. All of us should buy Nike shoes after this, just to remind us, just do it. And the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. I remember starting work in that season of six months, people would walk by me and I would get words of knowledge for them. And I would know what is it that has happened in their lives and I would see things about them and I would weep for those who are, you know, around me and I saw the pain in people's lives. I'm telling you, God wants to move through us. Amen. The second thing I want to talk about is how do we prepare for this new season? Because as I was, on, on Monday, as I was praying, this is what i saw i saw that there was a major shift that was coming in churches here in singapore i saw in this new season there are some churches that will uh, will see dramatic growth and and then i saw that there are other churches that will see dramatic losses this is what i saw i saw churches closing down that's what i saw and i felt then that you know there are three things that appeared before my eyes And these were three factors that were important determining factors as to whether we would flourish in this new season or that we would flounder. And the three factors I saw was wisdom, integrity, physical health. There were churches that would grow because they've used wisdom they have been wise they've built well and therefore they will grow and then there are others because they've been consistent they've consistently upheld integrity in their conduct and the stewardship of god's people in their finances and especially in their preaching that they they've had integrity and they will likewise enter into this new season that god has for you the third one though is very unusual because i felt that somehow this has to do with the leaders of the churches that there are many leaders who have driven themselves, who have not looked after the areas of their life, they have emphasized the spiritual, but they have not looked after themselves physically. I felt particularly in the area of maintaining their Sabbath. There are many church leaders that are not keeping their Sabbath. And for this reason, their health conditions will catch up with them. And not only that, I felt that the Sabbath is so important to the Lord that God wants this new season to flow out of a place of rest and Sabbath and not from a place of striving not from a place of our own strength. I felt like this is so important to God. Now, I want to qualify this again, that I only see in part, and I'm prophesying what I'm saying. I'm saying to you what I saw. And what I saw, and, and I'm just telling you, this is what I saw, this is the burden I felt. And at the same time, I saw these things, not just relating to churches here in Singapore. I believe that these three things, wisdom, integrity, and health, are important for all of us to consider as individuals because we all have a part to play in this new season. The first thing is wisdom. I want to give you three, for me, the the three most important verses personally about wisdom. The first is Proverbs 24, 3. It says, By wisdom a house is built. By wisdom a house is built. Here is the construction Imagery that's given to us that's going to be repeated over and over again when we talk about wisdom. Proverbs chapter nine verse one it tells us how this wisdom builds. It says wisdom builds by hewing out its seven pillars. James chapter three verse seventeen tells us what these seven pillars are. It says that but the wisdom that is fir- from above is first pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield, it's full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Seven pillars of wisdom. This is the nature of wisdom. It is not a wisdom of smartness. It's a wisdom of a nature and a character. You see, wisdom is intricately tied to the task of building. The first time wisdom is mentioned in the Bible, Exodus chapter 28. And God anointed a group of men and women who are artisans. And He gave them wisdom to build and to construct the tabernacle of Moses. You see, all these verses I've cited, uh, they all portray for us with clear imagery of building and construction. You see, the last 18 months of the pandemic has, done, has, given us, has taught us a few things. Number one, it's taught us and given us an opportunity to know if we have built wisely. The last 18 months is a test. Did your house stand? Did it collapse? What, what went well for you and what didn't go well? What flourished and what floundered in our lives? It is important, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage us. Please pause for a moment because the, the, you know, the, the nation is going to start opening up. I promise you this prophetically, I know this. The nation is going to start opening up. Travel is going to start opening up. We can already see this beginning to happen around the world. But when it opens up, you before it opens up, please, I beg you, and, and I want to emphasize this, reflect and evaluate honestly. How has this period of pandemic been? Have you grown closer to God? Has your marriage got, got, gotten, gotten to a better place than before? Has your relationship with your children improved? How about routines? Have you got good routines now established in your life? You know, have you grown as a person? be honest. Because if you're filled in some of these areas in your life, then I'm telling you this, there's still a chance to get it right. This pandemic so far is is God giving us a second chance. He's giving us a test before the actual run starts. Did you pass it? Did you get through it? If you didn't, don't worry. Make the adjustments while you still have time start investing into your marriage and into your children i mean our our our, our, our family life ministry has organized talks you know the enhanced marriages i don't know if you have signed up for them amen right build up your communication with your loved ones you know if you're ill-disciplined if you become detracted, distracted become lazy you know i want to encourage you adjust those areas amen i mean i got really ill-disciplined at one point in my life and I had to make those adjustments so that by the time this new season comes along, I'm ready for it. Quit the things that have been snapping your focus. Prioritize the things that are truly important. You see, that's the first thing that the pandemic does for us. It's an opportunity. The second thing about the pandemic is that it is a, it, it is a period that is signaling to, us, signaling to us what must change and what must pivot. Because we've all been forced to change in some ways or other. Right? More people come to church today now digitally than physically, at least until things begin to open up. Work from home is now you know, a default. There are things that we have had to do that we've never had to do before. Matthew chapter 11, verse 18 to 19. You know, and uh, this is what uh, Jesus said He said, For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, a glutton, wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by the children. You see, John and Jesus lived quite close to each other, right? Six months apart, they were born. But there was a white chasm between the two of them because John lived in a season that was completely different from the season that Jesus ushered in. John had, you know, and, and that's why John said this I have to decrease and God has to increase. John's job was to, to, to prepare a way for the Lord, and then he's to exit the picture because his season is over. And yet, both of them serve God's purpose in the season that they were in. Now, the problem is this if you are someone who grew up in John's season, when Jesus comes along, most likely you're going to criticize Jesus. Because John's season was so different. John's season was all about abstinence. It's all about praying. It's all about fasting. It's all about hardship. You know, that kind of Christianity that presses in, that hangs on. And then Jesus comes and he paints a different kind of Christianity. Hanging out, you know, going party to party, you know. If you live in the days of Jesus, but you grew up in in the season of John, I promise you this, you will be offended by Jesus. Even John himself was offended. When he was in prison, he says, are you the one or should we wait for someone else? Because it was so different, amen? And our tendency is always to look at the past, the methods of the past, and then instinctively believe that this is also the method for the future. Now, I have this tendency a lot. I talk to my boys. You know, and I say to my boys, "Hey, when, you're, when I was your age, I never did such things, but I do this, I do that. You know, this is how I encountered God. This is what I did in my Christian world. You know, I like to assume that God will deal with them the same way that He dealt with me. And yet, the truth be told is that the boy, my boys are so different from me in who they are. But not just that, my boys have grown up and are living in a world that is completely different from the one that I grew up in. I remember the the phone in my house. You You know, you pick up the handle, you put your finger in, you turn. It takes forever to call somebody up. I remember the first time I saw a phone with buttons on it. I thought, wow, what a technological advancement. Science fiction, futuristic. And today, it's a completely different world. We are living in alternate universes now. The world has changed and the world will continue to change. You see, growing up as a young Christian, I had no mentors. No one prophesied over me. I was not, you know, in, I, I had no Bible studies. I had no people taking me on T and E classes. You know, nobody explained scriptures. I had to learn everything myself. I had to buy books. I have to read. I have to search. I have to, you know, and there was no Google for me just to find answers to the Bible. I couldn't Google for a verse. I had to go find every verse through the whole Bible, right? And you got to know your word. Now, do I expect my boys to grow up the same way and to do the same things that I did? Because just two weeks ago when I was running, the Lord said this to me and I'm running out of time, okay? And I'm only on first point. Well, I'll stop when the time runs out, okay? And um, I, I was running, and the Lord said this to me. He says, Lip, I want to speak to your number two son, Samuel. I'm going to speak to him. So I said, Lord, wow, that's great. Lord, speak to me, and I'll speak to him. That's what I said. Because that's how prophecy works, right? I mean, I mean if I get a word for somebody, the Lord tells me I give and deliver the word, you know? But no, no, the Lord said, no. He says, when you go back home, lay your hands on, this, on your boy, and I will speak through your mouth. And so I had no idea what God was going to say. Nothing, nothing. I'm trying to think something up. Nothing comes to mind. So I go back home. I shower after my run. I called Samuel up to the room. I closed the door. It's just two of us. And I said to him, Samuel, the Lord's going to speak to you. He said, okay, Dad, what is he going to say to me? I said, I don't know. But when I lay my hands on you, God will speak to you. And he said, oh yeah, sure. Come on, bring it on. <laughs> you know? So I said, close your eyes. Close your eyes. I put my hands on it. And, and the moment I put my hands on his head, The word of the Lord comes out of my mouth. I opened my mouth and this flood of words just started coming out. Five minutes I spoke. I told him that, you know, I mean, the Lord said this, said quite a few things to him, that these are the questions he's asking, this is the answer, that these are the things that he's longing for in his heart, this is the answer, this are know. And God just began to speak. Now, I prophesied over him maybe five minutes, lesser than that. The next 20 minutes he talked. He said, Dad, how do you know this? He said, last night I was in my bedroom. I'm lying down and I'm frustrated about these things. I'm asking God about this. And now you're giving me the answer. You know, and he just started to share and his eyes have popped open. You know, and, and my, my number two boy struggles a little bit with a few things. And one of the things that he does is he listens to a lot of secular music, not much Christian music. But since that week, two weeks ago when I spoke this to him, his appetite for music is slowly changing because the Lord said something to him about music. You know? Can I tell you something? When I was 16 years old, nothing like that ever happened to me. I, got, I became a Christian at 12. It wasn't until my mid-twenties before I had a real prophetic word given to me, okay? I never had this. How come he gets? How come I don't get? You know? The reason is because it's different. It's different. You can't, you can't pack your experience and think that that's the experience everybody else has to have. You see, wisdom is going inst- to instruct us exactly how to approach this new season. And some of the tools of the past is not meant for what is going to come ahead of us. We mustn't get stuck and confused between what is methods and what is truth. Truth is eternal. But the problem is this. Let me sound a warning to us. Most of the things that we cling on to is not truth. It is tradition. It is methods. And we love our traditions. We love our methods. That's why Jesus has to give us a parable and warn us about old wineskins and being able to embrace new wineskins. Because one thing be said, all of us, we love the old wine skins. So comfortable, you know, right? You buy new clothes, so difficult, you got to wear it in. And the second thing I want to talk about is integrity. And I'm almost out of time, so I'm going to skip integrity. But suffice for me to say this, okay? And this is what I wanted to bring across on integrity. We all need people that are correcting us. If in the last 30 days, nobody has corrected you, And and the only thing you can think about, oh no, God is correcting me. You know, God speaks to me, tells me what needs to change. If the last 30 days, that's all your experience is, no human person has corrected you and the only correction that you think that you have received is from God. I'm telling you, you are in a very, very bad place. Very bad place. The primary way through which God's going to speak to you is through people, right? And if that has not happened to you, you need to go find people who love you and say, hey, Tell me, what is wrong? What do I need to change? And listen and open your ears. I'm so glad I have a wife who corrects me 30 times a day, you know? (laughs) And when correction comes, I want to say this, you don't have to receive all of it, you still have to weigh it. But nonetheless, constant correction is good for our souls. It's important. It is God's way of speaking to us. The third thing I want to touch on is our health, okay? And particularly, I want to talk a little bit about the Sabbath because the word Sabbath simply means this. It means stop, okay? You just, Sabbath just means stop. It is to come to a cessation from anything relating to work. You see, if you don't know if you don't have one day in the week where you actually stop and cease from anything relating to work, then we, then you are we are out and out breaking God's order, we are breaking God's system, we are breaking God's commandment. And please Christians, don't tell me this. Oh my work is so pleasurable. It is not work actually to me. And please don't tell me this oh I'm doing the Lord's work you know so I can work every day. No, you cannot. You are disobeying God. But I want to counterbalance that by referring to Matthew chapter 11 verse 28-30. And Matthew chapter 11 verse 28-30 something we know well but what we don't realize is immediately after that in Matthew chapter 12 12 Jesus starts attacking the Sabbath. Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart. I'm meek and humble, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's easy when you embrace meekness, when you embrace gentleness. It is an easy load upon you. And Jesus is saying this. He's saying that the Jewish concept of keeping the Sabbath with all its strict rules and all its requirements defeats the purpose of Sabbath. In fact, the Sabbath has become a heavy laden. The Sabbath becomes something laborious that you have to keep. The Sabbath is that yoke that is not from God. And God has come to break that and give us a true Sabbath. Amen. And that's what Jesus did. So I want to tell us this, that the the word rest doesn't just, it's not just derived from the word Sabbath, which means stop. That is one important aspect of it. But the word rest, the thought of rest, is also associated with a place. When God created the Garden of Eden and He put Adam and Eve in the garden, the word place Adam and Eve is the word rest. So rest in the Bible is associated with a place. And the place of rest, the fulfillment of a place of rest, is Christ. It is in Christ that we will find true rest. So you got to ha- hold both concepts in tandem. Number one, you have to stop. You have to learn to be able to stop. And number two, you need to know that you must find a place of stop that is in Christ. And when you know how to hold these tools and things in tandems, then it's no longer about a set of rules of do's and don'ts. But we hold these things knowing to stop, knowing to rest in God, knowing that God is the one who does. God is the one who brings us through, particularly as we embrace His nature of meekness and humility. Amen. My time is up. Oh, There's so much more I want to say. But I want to encourage us. Let's all stand to our feet. And if you're watching this at home, I want to ask you, I want to invite you to a moment right now and allow Jesus to speak to us. You know, sometimes we listen to Pastor Young talk about revival. We don't think to ourselves, it's such a church concept. Maybe it's a religious terminology. What has it got to do with me? I want to say this, okay, that as I look back in my life, when I was a teenager, when I started work, there are really different times in my life I had these experiences of, you know, that really felt like, on hindsight, looked and felt like Revival. And, and there is a wonderful thing about these moments where God shows up. And I believe this. I believe God wants to spark revival in all of us. He wants to spark revival in every one of us. He wants to revive us. He wants us to be the carrier of revival, fire, wherever that we are going, that we are at. And it is important for us to embrace it and not reject it. You see, can you imagine the Lord says, let down your net one more time. And Peter said, no you're no fisherman, you're a carpenter, you don't stick to your profession. Can you imagine if we say that to Jesus? No, this situation is not possible. I cannot preach the gospel in my office. No, I cannot do this. It's career ending. I'm telling you this when Jesus says, let down your net one more time. Let it down. And keep letting it down. Keep letting it down. Keep letting it down. Because the new season is coming. I want to pray for us. I want to ask you to join with me because there must be a willingness in our hearts to say, Lord, I want to enter this new season. And then we examine our hearts. Have we built wisely? Be honest. Come on, be honest. There's no loss in being honest. We only lose out when we try to hide. Walk in integrity, bring people around your life, bring correction, and finally learn what it means to come into the Sabbath of the Lord. Amen. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for all of us. We stand with you before you, Lord, uh, together as brothers and sisters in Christ, oh God. Our pursuit for you is something that we do united in our hearts, oh God. I pray and ask that you speak to us as only you can, Lord, that you stir our hearts, Lord, stir our minds and our thoughts. I pray for your Holy Spirit to come right now in Jesus' name, wherever we are, that you would put a finger, Lord, on our hearts, Lord, and show us something that we need to do, something that we need to correct, Lord. Father, I know that your love and your desire is that all of us may enter in, O oh God. That Lord, that Jesus paid the greatest price, and how could it be that so many are left out, Lord? And your desire, oh God, is a blood-washed nation before us, oh God. That there are many, many, Lord, that you have prepared, Lord, that you're going to bring into your kingdom, God. Father, help us, Lord, to rise up. Help us to be those, Lord, who will do the work of the ministry, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We give you praise. And now I just speak your blessings over my brothers and my sisters, the blessings of God the Father, the blessings of God the Son, and the blessings of God the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you now and forevermore. And everybody say, Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap offering, shall we? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.